filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They want you to know that your rights matter, you deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. They cover workplace discrimination and wage theft, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, takings and disability, and a lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. my birthday today as we record this and um we're not in a related fact i th- that's good i don't want you to um I, i'm not I, I i've never been been into making people sing i've never really been to, into birthday parties because i didn't get a chance to have many because yeah. my birthday is two days before christmas you're always into so, singing at people not making people sing for oh, you 100 percent. i am into subjecting people to my singing especially you ben uh, because right. you react to it so well, um, but I'm not going to make any. I, if someone wants to subject subject me to their singing, you know that if that's my lot in life, so be it. But I'm not going to make someone sing at me. I'm not going to impose that on them. Uh, it's their voice; they should do with it what they want. But um, today's my birthday, and uh, I, I got a robe, a very nice robe from from my wife and children today. Uh, it's like ankle length, very soft, has a hood. Um, it has a little tie on the inside in addition to the one on the outside. So you're, you're protected from it opening up unintentionally, which is pretty important when you're going to be a robe guy from now on, I think, especially a robe guy with kids can't, yep. can't be flashing you're, at it. You're not around. going to be in a category of robe guy that just flashes people. I, I will aspire not to be. That, okay. that is my goal is to not be the robe, the flashing robe guy. I just, I want to be the comfortable tasteful robe guy the luxury robe guy there you go um but i got some high praise from my three-year-old today um as i went upstairs with the robe he said daddy you remind me of a ninja Ooh. so it's like i like I'll it. Take it this is a good decision to be a robe guy remind being reminded a child being reminded of ninjas uh yes. is interesting to me yeah, because it wasn't you look like a ninja or right. daddy you are a ninja. ninja. It's daddy, you remind me of a ninja. <laughs> I don't know what ninjas he knows. Yeah, exactly. Like what's what's his ninja don't, experience? Don't, don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> so we obviously have holiday stuff up at our house. We're just doing an oops, oops all intros uh intro tonight. Um and my daughter loves the lights. She loves the ones around the neighborhood. One of the uh houses in our neighborhood is on Richmond's official tacky light tour site. Uh and so she loves the lights. Is it choreographed and, to Trans Siberian Orchestra or No, no, they just they just, like have, they just have they just have a metric load of lights. Their their whole thing is just quantity over quality. Yes, quantity, exactly. Exactly. Um, and we're still uh, working with her speech therapist on, on speech and things, and that's great. But uh, every time we're driving down the road, uh, first she's like, she, she, she starts thinking and is like, she's like, Halloween? And they're like, no, 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 these, these, are, these are Christmas lights, not Halloween lights. And she's like, oh, Mimis. 
And I, I, first of all, I just adore Mimis as, as a way to say Christmas. That's great. And then uh, we, we point out all the Christmas lights in the neighborhood. And then when we get home, she uh, ignores everything else, marches straight into the living room, points at the tree and says, Mimis tree on. And then we have to immediately plug in the tree if it's not on. So it's pretty adorable. I'm a big fan of Memis. Merry yeah. Memis, Ben. Merry Memis. <laughs> uh, I have no adorable children's stories whatsoever. Uh, I have not encountered a child in some time, uh, if I'm being perfectly honest. Um, except well, that's from, probably like, good. You don't yeah, want to. That's a responsible thing, right? Yeah. Now. Yeah. No. Exactly. Uh, I, I'm thinking. I'm trying to think of the last time I even like saw a child that I had like knew at all with my own eyes, and I think you'd have to go back to like October uh my my friends went skateboarding there my fr- friend has gotten his daughters into skateboarding and so i met them and stood at the skate park at one end of the skate park and occasionally yelled like hey good job uh <laughs> yeah because i need to get out of the house uh so my story of uh recent holiday events uh is uh not a holiday event at all uh, at like 8:30 uh i was sitting here in this chair that i'm in right now uh, cold, not wearing the jacket that I'm wearing, and instead of dealing with like I should go get a jacket because I'm chilly, uh, I I grabbed a blanket and was just sitting here and was like I am so close to falling asleep. I actually set uh, my cell phone alarm for eight fifty, uh, so that I set it directly in front, like on my computer, so that if I did fall asleep, the alarm would go off and I would be like, oh, you got to do the podcast. Um, and did you? <laughs> I, I it went off. I, I was awake when it went off, but I, I did. I was like, it's a good idea that I set this because I was like teetering <laughs> on the brink for like a good almost all of that time, which gave you're me like, just like, like time the, to go make a drink. You're in the liminal space between awake and asleep. Yeah, I was awake enough to be like, oh, I think the alarm's gonna go off soon. And then it did. There right. have been days but not, but, when but not so awake as to like have thoughts. Right, or like realized the situation was silly like sitting in a uh computer chair with a blanket because right. you're cold rather than getting a jacket i'm glad you um you woke up enough to get the jacket and get yourself comfortable in a not sleepy way before right. we started recording i definitely have there have been nights when i've fallen asleep and, and told my wife or set an alarm to wake me up uh before the show but today i was able to 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 rally and oh, not yeah, I fall took, asleep I... I put my kids to bed I took a nice 20 minute nap uh, this afternoon before we got, uh, before I picked up Lily from the daycare. Nice. I was going to, but it it didn't happen. The kids were were a little too amped up on DuckTales. Yeah, anyway. Well, hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United and Mary Memis podcast. I'm Adam Taylor, joined by Ben Bromley, Jason Anderson. We're all from blackandredunited.com. Ben, they can't see you salute. You saluted at nobody. Right, but I do it like all the time. Are you just noticing oh, this now? I am. I, I don't actually normally see you do that. I <laughs> Okay. Anyway, <laughs> I've never seen you do that. I, I've never noticed it before. Anyway, tonight we are talking about DC United. Uh, you never noticed me, stuff. Adam. <laughs> nope. I don't even know who you are. You're, you're just some guy on this podcast. <laughs> uh we have on field dc united stuff to talk about just a little bit we've got an update on the sideline 
situation for DC United and uh, some exciting news off the field for DC United. Before we get into any of that, though, Jason, what are you drinking tonight? Keep yourself uh, so awake. Yes. Well, it's not going to help me stay awake because it's not at all a kind of drink that's good at that. Um, no, I had just enough time to hustle downstairs. I had bought some apple cider like a week and a half ago. And so I poured it in a pot, started heating it up, poured some bourbon in that pot as well. And once it was hot enough to uh, be warm enough to help me not be so chilly anymore, I uh, poured it in a cup and that's it. See, my tr- my traditional apple cider method is to warm up the apple cider, but then pour it into the cup and then pour the bourbon into you could the do cup. That too. I don't think it's really effectively changed the bourbon in any real serious way. It was only on the pan. Yeah, I mean, no, that, yeah, yeah. I've just, I've just never even thought to do it that way. Did you mull anything in it? Did you drop any cloves? Not this of... time, uh, because there just wasn't very much time. I figured it wasn't going to make much of a difference. But I've got some cinnamon sticks, um, so that if I was going to really do a serious one, I probably would throw a cinnamon stick in there and do it that way, which I might do tomorrow. Tonight, I, as soon as we're done the show, I'm going to go to bed. Um, but, uh, maybe the next time I need a warm, uh, warm alcohol drink, it'll probably be something along those lines. All right. Uh, I found in the grocery store for a very reasonable price, uh, classic DC brow, great Imperial IPA on the wings of Armageddon. So, uh, because I found it and it was reasonable, I got it. And that's what I'm drinking. Uh, I was going to, you know, pour some bourbon into a glass of store-bought eggnog, but you know, for the for the season, but I found on the wings of Armageddon, so that took priority tonight. How about you, Ben? I'm going completely against the season this week. Um, I was able to find uh, like some mojito mix in the store. It's I mean it's it's got a lot of juice in it. It's it's semi fancy, uh, and I just poured that into a, a little bit of that into a cup, a little bit of uh, uh, sparkling water, and a little bit of vodka for like a. Vodka, mojitos, spritzer kind of thing. Interesting. It's good. It's not seasonal at all, but it's good. <laughs> I'm glad it's good. That's that's important. Yeah. Uh, to the soccer, then? Well, at least to the, or something. the soccer-related news, because obviously DC United's not playing. Uh, we're not going to talk about the, the CONCACAF Champions League tonight. Um, just, I mean disappointment and pain if you're rooting for an MLS team is just how it goes there. Uh, DC United did make a few roster moves uh, this week, three of them to, to talk about. One of them is not really a roster move by DC United. It's a roster move by the New England Revolution who signed goalkeeper Earl Edwards Jr. on a free agent deal. He just keeps his move, keeps moving up the East Coast. He was at Orlando before DC United and now he moves up to uh, Foxborough. So he's gone. Uh, we never saw him for the first team. He played some for Loudon, I think, mm. um, but ne- never quite broke through. Uh, was the third keeper for for DC United generally? Uh, the man in front of him on the depth chart, Chris Seitz, uh, has resigned with DC United, so he will be back, presumably as the the top backup for Bill Hamid next year. That's that's good news. He was he was p- pretty good as far as backups go when he got into games for DC United this year. So I'm I'm for this move. Um, is he a Terp, Jason? Uh, sites, yep. Yeah, I thought he so. Is. So, always nice to see local folks stick around. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then the the surprise, I guess, of the three moves that that we have to talk about. DC United in the second round of the re-entry draft selected Adrian Perez from LAFC, a striker, 25-year-old, um, who played year before last for LAFC a few times, not so much this past year. Um, scored a scored one goal for them yeah, in that time. Mm-hmm. Three starts, one goal. Um so not lots kind of, of appearances though. Um just very, very much a sub for, for Bob Bradley. Right. It's interesting news because he DC United has a lot of kind of backup forward types um already on the or potentially on the roster with Eric Sorga. Helman Rivas may be back, we don't know. Um I don't know if the team plans on signing someone to push Ola Kamara to the bench or, or to partner him at this point, who, who the hell knows. Um, but Adrian Perez definitely seems like a depth play. Um, so Jason, what do you make of it? Uh, it's not what I expected. Um, I, you know, looking through the re-entry draft list, I kind of didn't expect them to take anyone. Um, there's always a chance when you're that high up on the list uh, in the second round where, um, all you're getting is the right to negotiate with a player. Um, so you can, you know, whatever the owner's contract was that caused that guy's previous team to let him uh, be in the reentry process, you can then be like, well, we agree that that deal isn't good for us either, but we'd like to, you know, have a talk about some kind of deal. Um, but, you know, as I, as I wrote in, in, on the website on uh, writing this up, um, DC is really, really deep at the wing and forward positions. You've got, uh, at least nine. And if Rivas resigns, uh, 10, um, players at those that are capable of playing those positions. Um, so I do wonder what that, what, as an indicator for, for Rivas, it might be that Perez might be in Rivas's spot, uh, going forward. Um, it just a you know trying to read the writing on the wall. If if you're drafting a forward when you've already got a bunch of attacking players, it's kind of a curious choice. Um, but Perez can play wide or up front, um, and you know the fact that he was getting regular substitute minutes for a long time there for LAFC that's a pretty good indicator. You know that's not this isn't someone who is subbing in for the Rapids. Um, that this is a, a team with a lot of attacking talent and he was still getting uh, regular minutes. Um, and he was getting minutes before this year. This wasn't a five sub right. match ingestion type of substitute. Right, right, right. He was, he was in the three sub world. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and, and, you know, the, the thing with, with uh, Perez is that um, I, I think his drop in appearances this year is more related to a combination of an injury uh, that he had um, heading into the MLS's back tournament that kind of hampered his whole summer. Um, and then in that period of time, you know, Bradley Wright Phillips, everyone thought had a great full year with LAFC, but really he didn't get going until after the season picked back up. Um, so uh, there was a stretch there where it was really up in the air and Perez was one of the guys in the running to possibly be in that rotation a little more. Um, but then BWP started figuring things out and started playing really well. Uh, Denny Musovsky kind of came through as the other guy uh, in that group um, while Perez was injured. Um, And so this may be a situation where 
it's not so much that Perez dropped off a cliff or anything. It was rather that while he was unable to play, it just so happened that some other players really took over those roles and he became less important. Um, but it's a, it's, it's hard to gauge exactly because this year was so weird. Um, it's hard to say exactly where he, wa- where he is as a player right now. Um, so it's an interesting choice. It's definitely not what I expected. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I also, I, I believe if I'm not mistaken, he was on the, in 2019, at least he was on the, um, the, uh, roster minimum salary. Um, and I assume that that got bumped up for 2020 because that's how the contracts work. Um, I assume DC is going to be signing him for roughly that. So we're talking about a, a low end salary. So we're not talking about a huge cap hit to being taken on a player that maybe DC needs and maybe they don't. And like I've, we've heard rumors that the cap isn't going to go up at all in 2021 based on the economic collapse of Mm -hmm. 2020. And we we've, we've talked ad nauseum about how DC United needed more forwards in 2020. And so maybe this is a cheap way to get, somebody else at least on the roster that you can uh, have in camp that that somebody like Bob Bradley thought was a good enough player to be a, a regular sub for the team and you can give them a you can give him a chance to show what he can do in training and then maybe he makes the game day roster as the third forward and maybe that bumps up if there are injuries and maybe he doesn't maybe Eric Sorga outplays him and and Perez goes to uh, Loudon for a year, but I, I feel like we talked so much about uh, needing forward depth, especially, and with the 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 tightness in the cap that is rumored to be coming for 2021. Uh, maybe this is a just cheap way to give themselves a little more flexibility at that at that number nine position. Yeah, it definitely feels like a low risk move, and if even if he's just a body in training every week. Um... We were short on bodies. Yeah, there's not a lot of big bodies uh, in the forward core. There, there was Helman Rivas, um, and and Perez, I believe, is six one. Um, Only big. six foot, and I, I gotta say, I think that's a generous listing. Um, okay. When I saw that, I was like, ah, I'm not sure about that. LAFC, I think you guys might be adding an inch or two there, or, or measuring like let's hold let's hold your longest hair uh, as high up as possible <laughs> and see if we can get that to six. Or, or um, you're like your 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 most generous uh, 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 training shoes, and not your yeah. bare feet or cleats. Measuring right. cleats, yeah. Um, but yeah, I will say on the the point Ben made about players going to Loudon. I know a lot of the reaction on the day was about you know oh uh, this means Sorga can go play for Loudon, and people were really pumped up. And I think they're kind of you're getting the order of these things incorrect. Like yeah. the, the 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 idea here is that whatever player DC isn't able to give minutes in their forward group would then go play for Loudon. Um, and maybe you say, okay, Sorga needs 90 week in week out for a little while, but uh, I, I don't think he's a player that should be down there for a full season. And I also will point out that both, both years Loudon has come in with a, they've acquired a forward to basically to kind of examine and see if this is a player that's going to be worth, uh, signing uh, for the full or for the for the senior team down the road, and and um, this is how. On the same note, not that he's an out and out striker, but um, 
Kairu Mustafa, who was training with DC at the end of the year, he is a player that was brought in with that in mind. It was like, let's acquire a promising young player from somewhere that we know isn't MLS ready and just see, you know, what can he do within our, our general system playing at Loudoun? Can he, is he obviously better than the USL level? Um, so those, those uh, sort of speculatory signings, um, you know, they're, they're panning for gold kind of, um, right. those they're are not going to be signings mostly. Right. But also it sounds like at least the, the method DC United and Loudoun United have been using is less sign someone with, with DC that you can send a loan, send on loan to Loudoun and rather sign someone with Loudoun who might pan out and you can promote to the yeah. first team down right. the line. And we have the direction backwards. Right. And I think that the level he was at in the level that Eric Sorga was at in Estonia was at least as good as USL. So I don't like, if you want to send him to USL to get some minutes sometimes, that's fine, but he doesn't need to develop in USL. That's not going to test him in any meaningful way. He, like, I think he would be probably better suited getting 20, 25 minutes on a regular basis at DC United in MLS if if he earns that uh, rather than, than 90 minutes at Loudoun United. Yeah, Uh I do want to shout out about Perez that he he came to LAFC. This is the most 90s thing ever, and I love it. Um, he came to LAFC from the indoor soccer world where he went after college. Uh, from from what I read, he was spotted by Preki, who also spent time in the of indoor course. soccer world back in the day, uh, who's an assistant with Seattle. So I wonder if the selection of Perez has something to do with another Seattle connection. That's me connecting dots that probably aren't there. We'll get to that in a little bit. You're, Adam, you're, you're, you're putting Go ahead, Ben. You're, you're playing 8D chess right now. You know, I I feel like I need to to be make, gesturing like this for you guys, and which the listeners you're, can't you're see. You're getting into some Pepe Silvia territory. I really am. Um, that I, I don't know is the case. Um, <laughs> I, I will say that to kind of, to kind of like turn that into like one serious point when people have talked about the coaching search um we're we're going to talk more about that later but uh this uh i i guess this idea that uh the team would have to or has to wait to make moves before hiring a coach uh this is just not how soccer tends to work um anywhere not just in MLS like yes it's it's ideal to have your coach in place and then have the GM and coach making moves uh in concert, but the way things have worked here and and at clubs that have had more sustained success uh, has generally been either the Peter Vermes model, where he is the sole dictator and decides everything. Uh, he is the GM and the coach, or everyone else is doing a thing where the GM makes your moves. Um, Columbus has Tim Bezbachenko. He is he is talking to Caleb Porter, but he is making the moves. Um, Seattle has Garth Lagerway. He is making those moves. Brian Schmetzer isn't like, hey, sign this player. And Garth Lagerway is saying, yeah, sure, Brian, whatever you say. It's, it doesn't work like that. And so um, when people get concerned about DC making a signing without a coach, I would advise them that it's not really that big of a deal. Um, yeah. This is how things, like, if they start Especially signing. Especially when like, it comes to depth. Yeah, exactly. Like, if we're talking about signing, like, designated players that can only play in one system, that's a bad idea. Don't do that. 
Um, because what if the coach you hire doesn't play that way? Then you're, you're cooked. Everyone's going to be screwed. Um, but if we're talking about a depth forward through the re-entry draft, you don't need the head coach appointment to be settled to uh, make that choice or not. It's going to be okay. Or Dave Casper, go hire, go sign a new Branko Boscovich right now. I, right now, he can fit I mean, into the into the coveted position right. of leather jacket wearer. Yeah, yeah Adam, wearing, if, it, if we're talking about a bomber jacket, I'm 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 here for that. Okay, yeah. Let's let's keep in I mean, mind that we're talking about a guy who is currently going to be wearing a uh, a very excellent bomber jacket of some kind. Yeah, if that's what we're talking about, I'm here for it. Honestly, now I'm a little disappointed that we never got Talon, a a Talon sized bomber jacket. Ooh, I think that's something right. that needs to happen. Yeah. He has a Star Wars robe. Why can't he have a bomber jacket? This needs to happen. Um, one last thing on the re-entry draft before we we move on, and that's just to to shout out the Houston Dynamo for some uh some good trolling of their new neighbors, I feel like. Um Joe Corona played for the LA Galaxy last year, was selected in the expansion draft by Austin FC. Um LA declined his option, so he was eligible for the re-entry draft. No one took him in round one, and Austin hadn't finalized a deal with him, and so he was still there for round two. He didn't withdraw. He he could have withdrawn from round two yes. and to, to negotiate a contract with Austin. He did not, and so the Houston Dynamo stepped in and took him. Why and is it always Bryce and not Austin? It was a wasted expansion draft pick. I love. Why it. is it always the Houston Dynamo that happened to be involved in uh, expansion draft slash reentry da- draft uh, chicanery? Are just destined for housery, Ben. That's I, all I can say. So, uh, for for people who don't remember this, uh, what Ben's referring to is the fact that um, Houston, when when Montreal expand when Montreal was an expansion team by which I mean they moved from USL to MLS um they actually selected Brian Ching in the expansion draft because Houston was like well Ching's probably going to retire at the end of next year surely Montreal will not take him uh and then he's our fan favorite they were like hey if we took Brian Ching from Houston they'll probably badly overpay to avoid their fans yelling at them all year this was the most galaxy brain thing Jesse Marsh maybe has ever done because he talked about how that was the goal they were explicit and outward in saying the goal is to get Houston to trade back for him yeah like what happened before like Rod Diachenko had been yes. selected in an expansion draft in DC United, probably overpaid to get him back. They of all first people, Rod they were vi- valuable. Um, Rod Diachenko, um, of all people. Rocket Rod. But, but yeah, uh, so yeah, Houston, maybe Houston getting revenge on someone. It's not exactly the, the Montreal impact, but it, it, it'll have to do. Houston deserves nothing. Screw it's a team guys. that's going to wear vertical stripes. It, it may as well be the impact. I, I will say I can't believe that a team because like if this were if Austin were coming in with a bunch of MLS neophytes like like you know Nashville had Gary Smith who spent a very short amount of time in the league and everyone else was not really super familiar with the league um, you would expect them to maybe not have this sorted um, but everyone in the Austin decision making uh, setup is an MLS guy um, these are people who've been around the league forever. And I know that the comp- the real thing is that the com- calendar was so compressed that um, 
what normally would have been an expansion draft in November and then a re-entry draft in December uh, instead gave them you know, like 48 hours to, to get this sorted because it was just a, a full week of like, here's the next thing, here's the next thing. Why do um, we still but, have an expansion draft, Jason? Uh, because the league is too cowardly to just say, here's all your allocation money, you figure it out, which is what it should which be. Is, and yes. which is what Austin is already doing. Yes. I mean, they, um, they go halfway, right? Like they've, yeah. they've truncated the expansion draft but they haven't gotten rid of it entirely. They still feel like it's an American sport and it's an expansion. You need a draft to get them new players, but that's, it's such a minor part of, of what they do now. You're not going to get Sebastian Latou at this point where he, he just becomes a club legend via the expansion draft. That's, that's probably not happening. Um, anyway, that that's all the player stuff. Unless you guys have anything else you want to talk about. Moving to the touchline, uh, Stephen Goff of the Washington Post out tonight with a a tweeted update on the coaching search. Uh, He's on vacation. We hope he enjoys it. Um, (laughs) But he said he'll be keeping us up on Twitter with with coaching updates. Uh, He and Pablo are are on the case. DC United are reportedly now in talks with Gonzalo Pineda, assistant coach of the Seattle Sounders. There hasn't been an offer yet, uh, according to Goff. And other finalists are still in contention. None of them have been eliminated yet. Just make a decision. Yeah, it's starting to feel that way. Um, we we heard that they were set on Chris Armas, but that talks fell apart. Um, Good. And yeah, that that's fine. Uh, I would like them to to cross the line and seal the deal with Pineda. Um, I assume you know it, it does make sense to make sure everyone is on the same level and has an understanding before you put that offer out. This isn't just a regular job. The coaching job is, is pretty important. You need to make sure everyone understands what they're signing up for. Um, but hopefully they, they get there with Pineda. The others that, that we think are still in contention on based on Goff's and Pablo's reporting uh, are, I think we have, we have five names basically for those four slots. Um, Pineda's obviously one of them. Armis is one of them. And then Jill Ellis, even though she seems unlikely, she's apparently still in the mix or was a week ago, according to Goff. Uh, Rodolfo Burrell of uh, Manchester City might still be in there. And then Pat Noonan keeps popping up from time to time, but he he seems kind of an afterthought. Like he was someone that they hadn't had a chance to talk to and wanted to, not an actual finalist, but that's my speculation. That's my read of reporting and, you know, extrapolating who knows at this point, what the actual situation is. It's a little bit of a black box and we just have a few anonymous sources going to Goff and to Pablo to talk. Um, and that's where, where all our information is coming from. So we'll know when we know, I guess, which probably won't be for another week or so as we record this. It's it. Well, and you guys know this from, from, our site chat but uh today was definitely a day where i was like you know if they're gonna do it it's probably like if it's gonna happen in december which they've said all along they intended to do it sometime this month today felt like the day to get it done because now we're recording on december 23rd uh you gotta assume that no one's gonna be around tomorrow or friday um new year's eve is coming up there's a weekend in there all of a sudden you run out of time uh to uh get a lot done we have monday and tuesday of next week and then that's pretty much it 
people have things going on, even though, you know, I, I sincerely hope everyone here is everyone involved is doing a safe uh, end of year and not hopping on planes and doing this, that, and the third. Um, But you still, you generally aren't going to be conducting a major coaching negotiation uh, on Christmas day uh, or on new year's Eve. It's probably not going to happen on those days. Um, So I, I think we're dragging out, but you know, Monday and Tuesday of this coming week also feel like days where it's like, we better be alert just in case it happens. Um, because like Adam said, this whole thing has been kind of, you know, the, the, none of the candidates are really addressing this, uh, publicly very much. So we've got very little information as to, um, how far along anything is. So it could be that things are very close and they will just suddenly fall into place. Um, but yeah, right now it's still, it's kind of where it was the last time we recorded. Um, people are talking, but that's about it. Do we want to address um, a coach whose name has suddenly come up as of uh, yesterday, who I don't think any of the three of us want anywhere near DC United? Uh, if we're talking about um, uh, Miguel uh, Herrera, um, yeah, I, I, I know people see the success that he had with Club America, but one, Club America is spending a ton of money. Um DC They're not spending not other have... Mexican teams. Right. Um, other than Tigres. Yeah. Um, but the, the other thing here is that, like, the, one of the reasons he got fired was getting into a brawl um, that he provoked. Um, and then he carried on. Like, it was it was great entertainment uh, to watch the silliness of it. Uh, but I don't think we want that for DC United. Um, and also, he is a documented homophobe. Um, yeah. And on multiple occasions. Um, going back over time. Like it, I think it goes back to like 2014, 2015 is the first time I started hearing about it. And it wasn't like it happened and then it improved. It was like it happened. And then a couple years later, it's like, no, he's still like that. Um, yeah. It's a problem. Piojo. I understand like his antics from a distance um, are entertaining or they can be. He's got the super Saiyan meme out there okay. from when he was <laughs> leading Mexico. Um but he's never like he's not someone I want around my own team. Basically, um, if someone else wants to hire him via con Dios, I, I don't think it would be a good decision. But um, I understand with the success, I understand the appeal. But I just I don't want him anywhere near DC United. Nah, I'll also throw this in. If you're listening to this and you don't care about our concerns, like if you're like, yeah, I don't care if the coach is a homophobe or not, just think about this. Piojo was coaching Club America. This is a team that's paying him millions of dollars. DC United is not offering any head coaching hire millions of dollars. Uh, he's not coming here, guys. Um, yeah. So um, even if even if you are just you just don't care one way or the other, you just want the coach to be good. Uh, he is out of DC's price range. Like we talked about Javier Aguirre a couple weeks ago, another uh, ex-Mexico national team head coach. He got $4 million out of Monterey. That's kind of the price range that um, maybe maybe right now Piojo's price is a little lower because uh, he just very publicly got into a fight, got a suspension from CONCACAF. Everyone is like, wow, this, this guy is kind of a train wreck. Um, but still in the millions, not in probably not in DC's price range. I, I do not think we're going to ever find 
that this coach hire uh, comes with a seven-figure salary, at least off the bat. It, it might get there if, you know, whoever they hire has roaring success for many years and gets multiple extensions and raises, great. But right now, that's not the case. Right. Also, I I would be so whiplashed going from Ben Olsen, who whatever you think of his coaching acumen, is undeniably a good person (laughs) by all accounts and he campaigned against homophobia and campaigned for dc statehood and has just been on the right side of every issue he's spoken on and going to a documented homophobe who starts fights with other coaches like not gets ejected for yelling at the ref when the ref was wrong but like starts fights with the opposing team's coaches it's it would be a I would have whiplash and I wouldn't like that. I, I want a good coach who's not, who I'm not ashamed of uh, for, for other reasons. I think I, that's important, especially it, given the team's movement towards social justice and being awake to those issues. I agree with both of you, but like I tell uh, some of my friends, sometimes we don't need to get worked up about something that's never going to happen. Fair enough. Something that has happened, DC United has made a hire um, that, that in a post that's been unfilled for, for a couple years now, they announced, this, they announced this week that Danita Johnson is their new president of business operations. She becomes the first, or she will when she officially starts next month, she will become the first black team president in MLS history. She will become the third woman to hold that title in MLS history. Um, She comes to DC from the LA Sparks of the WNBA, where she was president and COO. She spent a a year or two with the Washington Mystics uh, in part at two years with the Mystics. Um, She's stood up expansion teams in the WNBA and the G league. She's been around basketball a lot. Um, and now she comes to soccer and I am excited about this hire. I think one thing about the WNBA is they are not generally the top sports property in their market. They're not even usually the top basketball property in their market. So they have to be scrappy. And that's the case with DC United as well. They're the top soccer property, arguably in DC, but they're not, you know, it's it's obviously still a football town and a hockey town and not a it's a soccer town, but not an MLS town at this point. So someone who's going to be able to push DC United in the market seems like a good thing. And she pushed the sparks in the LA market, which is a tough market. Mm-hmm. And they did great. They uh they they have the the attendance championship banners that the Mystics used to have now. Um, and they like, she's also aligned with social issues that are important to WNBA players doing right by players is important to me, I think, and also tends to be the right thing to do. The players tend to be what I think is the right side of a lot of issues. So that's good. Um, hopefully I I know the WNBA is also a pretty fan centered league and hopefully we see some of that here. That was with the last team president on the business side, Tom Hunt, he was not 
inclined to to listen to fans and understand that supporters are an important part of soccer culture and an important part of the game day environment. So I, I am optimistic and excited about this hire, and I want to see where it goes. Yeah, I am. Uh, like I said in my post, I am. I am excited about this. I think it is time to for MLS teams to break out of just the American soccer bubble when coming to their front office hires because it's not at at the end of the day we all know that this is a business and at the end of the day it's about uh, uh generating interest and generating excitement and uh, a lot of th- and 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 making people feel interested in your product and some MLS teams are great at that and and some are and the WNBA has been better at that overall i feel like than mls has uh they had higher ratings in the tv uh market than mls did this year um and that's something that uh dc united in particular and mls in general are going to have to accelerate with their new uh tv deal coming out and it just it, it gives a new perspective it gives something that uh the old white men who have run the business side of DC United for 25 years uh, probably didn't have. So I'm, I'm excited to see it. I, I am excited that she's here and I'm excited to see what she does. Yeah. And it's, it's important that, um, that the team walks the walk. Um, yes. you know, they spent some time uh, this year. I mean, not just DC United, but the entire league had to confront the fact that, there were very, there's very little, uh, has been very little hiring of black people in positions of authority around the league. Basically, you get playing contracts, and that's pretty much it. Um, and DC United said they wanted to be not just a team that makes changes, but actually instrumental in that. Um, and this is a way you can do that. Um, and that's not to say that they went out and and found a black person hired them that's not what's going on here because when you when you look at Johnson's track record and and I think the team actually did themselves a solid here by um kind of tweeting out like a brief like a resume or like an achievements uh section of a resume or a CV uh yeah. as part of the announcement because let's be honest like we're not in soccer fandom for the business side of this like we don't follow soccer or sports business super closely it's not what excites fans in general not just us but pretty much across the board people aren't like you know looking people don't want to hear about like ticket sales metrics or sponsorship increase you you know those things are good and they help the team on some level um but they're not why you're buying tickets uh they're not why you're you're not you're not you're not interested in conversion ratios uh it turns out i'm not except for like finishing uh scoring chances which is not really (laughs) the same thing um so you clearly never went to the sales training in Minnesota. No, I didn't. Um, I, in <laughs> fact, have not been to Minnesota at all. But I haven't. I definitely didn't go to the sales training uh, thing that they had going out there. I don't know if that's still there or not. Um, I don't either. Minnesota's nice, though. I like Minnesota. I, I want to go to um, the stadium for sure. It's just uh, you know this year maybe was not the best year to add to yeah. traveling places. <laughs> Though famously on this podcast, I did go somewhere new, Erie, Pennsylvania. Um, <laughs> But that anyway, one's just for you, Nate. Um, Scott, yeah, that one's um, for you. This, it, it seems like it's a good move on the business side. It definitely seems like a move that backs up, actually going back to um, 
since you know we talked about Earl Edwards Jr., one of the things he made mention of when talking to him about Black Players for Change this summer was that he felt DC was doing the right things on that front, um, and that he felt like maybe in contrast to MLS, the team was actually backing up um, the talk, which is the whole thing. You can say a lot of nice things, but you have to yep. actually act on it. Um, so this this is another chapter of that. And it also, you know, if you want to know why the team has uh, had issues financially, it's not just um, that they're paying the stadium loan. It's that for two and a half years, they haven't had someone at this level, this position, this experience making these decisions. Um, and so having this position filled by an experienced sports business front office type who has succeeded um, in, in like Adam was talking about, in uh, markets where you're not marketing the number one sport in town. Uh, you're not marketing the number one team and you're still getting people to come out. I think there was a thing in there about how they had um, like 19,000 people at a Sparks game, which is a really big yep. deal. Um, so things like that will contribute to the soccer side. Uh, if you get more money coming in this is not this is about as complicated as i know about in sports business but if you can bring in more revenue you can start to make bigger moves and uh, make signings and um you know do some things that fans really actually care about which is the soccer side of things right and this goes to to ticket sales it goes to sponsorships uh it goes to other uses for audi field beyond dc united like her role is going to be all of that um making the team a sound business. And I, I saw that they had to uh, MLSsoccer.com basically took DC United's post or their story on it and rewrote it as a, as a news hit. And after a day or maybe less, they had to disable comments on it because there were unfortunately some comments sent, you know, going where you think they would. Uh, the most Awful. anodyne of those is why does it matter if she's black uh, just give the job to the the best person. It doesn't matter if she's black or she's a woman. And if if that's what you think, I encourage you to go on Twitter and and find black DC United fans and women DC United fans and look at their reactions to this. They see themselves in a position of authority that that a black person has never had in MLS, and that women have very rarely had in MLS, and they see themselves there now. And that's. That's not something that, 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 that's a big deal. That's yeah. not something that happens necessarily every day. The first black person to hold a position only happens once. And the reason it's a big deal is because it's never happened in 25 years of MLS. You can say the best person can get the job. And I, I defy you to tell me that there hasn't been a black person more qualified to run the business side or any side of an MLS team than some of the people that have gotten the jobs. Yeah. I mean, you get recycled white people who just get job after job after job after exactly. job. And like, she has the experience. She has the qualifications. Yeah. I'm here for it. I, yeah, I, I think it's, it's absolutely appropriate to highlight the fact that, that she is breaking barriers and I am here for that. And yeah. if, if you're not, then, then I encourage you to think about it a little bit more and, and re-examine why you think that. Find us at blackandredunited.com. If you want to support us financially, do that at patreon.com slash filibuster. We're on Twitter at filibusterdcu for the podcast, at Black and Red U for the website. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. 
uh, if you really like the show, make sure you you give us a review uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Obviously, you can download, subscribe, and and give ratings and reviews and all that wherever you you do. Mostly, though, tell a friend about the show. If you happen to be celebrating Christmas with a soccer fan or a DC United fan who's not a listener of our show, just mention it and talk about Memes with them and, and the glory of it. For Jason and Ben, I'm Adam, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. Memes. Thank you.